Story, a rewatch podcast where we watch the movies of our childhood, along with Tepper, a grown man who has never seen them before. I'm your host, Ivan. I'm Chris. I'm in it to win it. I'm Shauna. I'm Funky, and I'm Flesh. Uh, I'm Tepper, and I've been kidnapped by the other two people and forced to be in this podcast. Please, uh, get help. Never mind that. <laughs> this week we will be watching Rockadoodle, directed by Don Bluth, released in 1991. This is the only Don Bluth movie to contain live action. Chris brought us this movie. Why? When I was little, uh, I got taken to my Nona, which is Italian for um, grandmother that force feeds you. Um, and uh, I was taken there a lot. Um, and she had certain movies that she felt were appropriate for children that had been taped off of TV. These included things like Ben-Hur. <laughs> um, but also this movie, uh, which I probably watched like 50 to 100 times in my childhood be- because it was the movie that we watched when we went there. And I have very strong opinions about it, but I don't want to taint anyone's um view so i think i'm going to save them until after we've seen it uh does anyone else have any connection to this film i have never watched this in my life i owned a vhs copy i think despite our large collection of taped off the tv i think this was an actual legitimate copy of of this movie fancy i saw it a handful of times probably far more than i'm remembering but not enough to fully resonate i remember scenes very well though it it's also like about a farm i grew up on a farm so like movies about farms were big like babe and fox and the hound and stuff that kind of like country Harrowsmith life shit yeah wouldn't, wouldn't want to use movies as a, a method of escapism or anything. Oh, no. Well, th- this is also the part of my life where I wasn't choosing things. And my parents, like, would... For- they were very good at, like, forcing things on me and then assuming I loved them. Like, um, one of my jobs was taking care of the chickens when I was a kid. And there were, like, five years where everyone got me, like, th- stuff with chickens on them for, like, my birthday all the time. <laughs> Yeah, and eventually I had to say, like, I don't like chickens. This is my job. (laughs) Stop giving me chicken crap. All right, we are now showing Tepper the poster for the first time. Tepper, what do you think this movie is about? Uh... Once again, please, please describe to us the poster. (laughs) There is a uh, ripped... Elvis Costello chicken with the one of the sickest pompadours I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> Interesting choice of Elvis there. Yeah, yeah, very specific with the Elvis. Uh, that vibe, he's yeah, know. not a Presley though, a Costello. Um, there is a the obviously bad guy because of the eyebrows um which is the weird weird bird that looks like a devil head got like attached to a really fat bird he's a horned owl okay spoilers <laughs> yeah wow <laughs> i you know this came across as an owl to me immediately upon looking at it yeah 
Um, Shauna is our resident animal expert, though. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there is a kid uh, wearing... Oh, I can't remember the name of them. Davy Crockett hat? Yep. Yeah, Davy yep. Crockett hat. Yep. Um, s- uh, it looks like a dog. Uh, the token female character. A duck. And the kid, the Davy Croc- uh, Crockett kid, um, in a boat. And it says a Don Bluth film, Rockadoodle, and it's like a, a musical bar. Uh, the rousing, rollicking adventure of the world's first rock and rooster. There are two other characters on this poster that you didn't notice. Oh, actually, to be fair, I was there's three, though I don't, I don't, I don't think those fish are important. Is in the nest, like the crow's nest of the boat. Yeah, there's one there. Yeah, I can, I can barely see. Yeah, it's pretty low quality. I think it's a mouse. Yeah. There's also two little fish, but I those might just be fish. It's been a long time. Yeah. Um, I, f- I wouldn't be surprised if my parents own this. I did. I don't think I ever. Like, I definitely don't think I've watched it, but I wouldn't be surprised if my parents had it sitting around somewhere because. The uh, cover seems vaguely familiar, or maybe that's just me, like, because I've watched An American Tale, I've watched The Land Before Time, and I've watched uh, the All Dogs Go to Heaven sequel, so... (laughs) (laughs) This This is a very, like, Don Bluth's style is very distinct so you could just be remembering other don bluth movies yeah that, that's what i'm thinking is is like my familiarity comes from i've watched some of his other movies so um yeah uh and then there's a city in the background um yep so i feel like the owl is the based on the color palette chosen for him uh, he is the, uh, he's the bad guy. And main characters are the kid and the rooster. Alright. Um, and yeah, and, and it obviously has, uh, uh probably a, a very heavy musical theme running throughout the movie. Reasonable yeah. guesses. Mm-hmm. I like how the owl's on a branch that's coming out behind the sun. Yeah, it's one of those, like, anterior sun branches. <laughs> what, you never seen one of those before? Alright, see you after the film. Uncle Juki! Uncle Juki! I got him! If I kill my nephew, would that be murder or charity? And we're back. So, what did everyone think? Uh, Don Bluth is a genius? <laughs> He's he's a very good animator. The my like thing I didn't want to say before is I hated this movie as a kid. Like this was uh, oh god we're going to notice so we have to watch friggin' Rockadoodle. <laughs> um yeah again like I said earlier I owned it to some degree, and I definitely saw it a few times, but it was not my go-to by any means. Yeah, like, like if I was a kid watching this movie, like, probably, like, there's, there's, you know, thinking about it, there's probably 10, 15 films easily uh, animated alone that I would put above this movie. 
Yeah, it it was alright, but nothing special, nothing great. I think I really enjoyed watching it because it's been a long time since I've watched uh, animated movies from this era. So it really took me back to, like, watching it. Like, it wasn't, how do I say, like, it wasn't anything special, but, like, because I hadn't watched any movies similar to it in a while, I was I was pretty into it. Like, I really enjoyed it. Crazy. I was I was definitely engaged the whole time. Like I wasn't bored. And yeah. uh I like it more as an adult than I did as a child, that's for sure. Cuz as a kid it was just like disappointing. <laughs> I like pretty much all of the villains musical numbers. So good. The batteries um, are dying. They so good. but it's like okay, this is the thing I want to talk about. Is this a musical? I mean, well, what, yeah, what's, what is the technical definition of a musical? Well, that's kind of what, so usually in a musical, people like express their feelings by suddenly bursting into song. And that is like other people also burst into song or it's treated as normal. Whereas in this movie, there's the owls have their little like operatic chants that they do that aren't quite songs. Um, and Chanticleer sings some songs, but he's singing songs in the fiction, too. I think the owls are in a musical. Mm. I don't know if the other characters are. They're in, like, an opera, maybe. They sing what they're doing and what they want to do. Like, that seems pretty musical to me. That, okay, yes, that, I, I, I would agree on that front. I guess technically Chanticleer sings what he wants as well, but that's just because that's what his songs are. They are blues, so they're about him being sad. Yeah. Uh, if if this was a musical, it was a very weak musical. Yeah, I was going to say, it wasn't like... Soft like musical. I'm, yeah, like, I'm not a huge fan of musicals. Animated musicals I'm much more um, willing to watch. Oh, um, you... Pretty chitty bang bang, chitty chitty bang bang. <laughs> so I gotta say, uh, Tepper, like with the exception of it being about music, you pretty much nailed this one. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that that. But I mean, like honestly, though, that poster was basically nailed down the movie really well. It was, it was broadcasting. It didn't really bring up the fact that the Duke is completely magic. Or at least his mouth is. Oh, his ill-defined, like, uh, god powers? Y- yeah. That he, he's very restrained with his use of those, by the way. <laughs> he sure is. I mean, like, he hired some punk rooster to, to fight Chanticleer instead of just exploding him or whatever. Or becoming giant and eating him. Burying him in the earth. He has many powers. I think that's a power move. Like, I could kill you, but I don't even want to bother. I'm going to send someone else. I'm going to get you a musical career. Well, I mean, it's even like, I'm not going to kill you. I'm just going to turn all your friends against you and make them force you out for me. And and get you a stable music career. With a greedy manager. Do you you think that the owl, that the Duke of Owls um, knew, like, knows Chanticleer's real power and that, like, this was, like, all an elaborate scheme by him the whole time? Yes, he does know that Chanticleer brings the sun. Like, that... No, he doesn't do that. 
I mean, he does do that, though. Mm-mm. In the last song, it is revealed that it, Chanticleer does not sing up the sun. He has the power to murder clouds. That makes sense. But also, he brings up the sun. No, no, he just sings. He's a rooster, so he sings in the morning. And they yeah. all thought he brings up the sun, but he doesn't actually do that. He just sings away clouds. But when he sings, we see the sun come up. And then the clouds are murdered. Like, it zooms back into space, and we see the sun rise over the horizon. It wasn't there already behind the clouds. It was it was on the other side of the planet, which does not exist. Is that when he turns into a laser? Yes, it's when he, oh, okay. go, it's when he goes Super Saiyan. We get a reuse of the animation from the beginning, where the sun rises, and there's, like, huge, like, solar flares across the her, the horizon. I wrote that down, like, oh my god, in this universe, the sun shoots fireballs at the Earth. <laughs> and that is why uh, Chanticleer is king, because he controls those fireballs. He chooses who lives and who dies. Yeah, like, like my lore for this is, like... Chanticleer is some kind of, like, god of the sun. And he gained his power from the belief of his friends. And then when the sun rose on its own, he lost that power. Interesting. And then he is obviously opposed by the god of darkness, the owl. Yeah, that's basically the movie. Uh, yeah, so, like, I guess, like, unless you guys have any, like, other brief thoughts, like, let's jump into discussion. Um... I did find, I think the reason this movie didn't really resonate deep with me was it felt the story was like a simple fairy tale. Like, I didn't see a good story in this. To be fair, it was by definition a simple fairy tale because it was a book. Yeah, yeah. it just, yeah. it had the feel of a watery fairy tale, like a fable. It It didn't really have the feel of a movie to me. That's fair. It is only, it's only, it's like, comes in under an hour as well and... Nine and a half minutes of that is credits. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy because it's like 77 minutes, but nine of it is credits. So it's <laughs> not even an hour. Gemini. Yeah, it's a 57 minute movie and nine wow. and a half minutes of credits, which were originally sped up on the VHS release. When you have to hand in a 10 page essay, but you've only got nine pages of content. <laughs> <laughs> you just put in some uh, owls uh, chanting about batteries. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, like, like, I'm sure if we looked at the story itself, like the story, like, I guess I can see what Sean is saying. Uh, I really it's feel fine. Like, it's just predictable. Yeah, yeah, it is very predictable in its structure, but I felt like it pulled it off in like in ad like an above adequate way. Like, even though I knew what was going to happen, I wasn't bored watching it happen and i think that's always a mark of a good movie um the characters especially helped carry this movie i feel like especially the mouse yeah um peepers peepers was my, like right from the start i was like yeah this is my hero right here uh she put that team like on her back and like carried them to victory <laughs> like like she was like like everyone's like oh it was like god damn it guys give fuck i'll do it myself and like she, yeah she never lost a single modicum of hope yeah like literally yeah um uh, rockadoodle what's his name 
I want to say Clarence. I know Chanticleer. That's right. Yeah, Chanticleer. He's unconscious, and she's trying to just drag him herself. Like, no, we can't. We can't move him. And she, she's trying to move him like she could move him herself with full confidence. Like, get up here she, and move him. She hijacks a helicopter. Yeah. From a yeah, water we think tower. Yeah, she's dead. Somehow. Yeah. How does she get there? She drives a car. She, like. There is nothing she can't do. She hits on an, <laughs> she hits on an eight year an eight year old boy when he's a cat and a human, <laughs> and um, unconscious. She's a mouse of taste. Uh, our introduction to her is we like um, Edmund, who's the little boy who gets turned into the cartoon cat. Like, gets very. Uh, he's always being like, "I'm a little cat now. I can't do fuck all." Um, and she's always going up to him being like, I'm like an eighth your size and I do tons of shit. <laughs> Get on my level, bro. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I'm too small to climb that fence. I'm not. <laughs> and I'm smaller than you. Yeah. <laughs> like, I can't do it. Fine. I'll do it myself. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> she's great. How about our other female character? Goldie. Um... <laughs> She brings so much to the movie. <laughs> she she's like part of that th- the thing that Shauna was talking about, where it's like it's very predictable her story arc. You know, kind of what's going to happen with her as soon as she's introduced. Yes. Yeah, she was. She's pretty much the the female damsel in distress character. I wouldn't even say she was a damsel in distress. She was just like. I'm trying to think of the name. I'm sure TV the tropes name has... for that archetype of like yeah. you were sent there to by the it's it's basically Smurfette. Yeah. 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 Like yeah. Like you were sent there to do a job, and then the job becomes real, and then you turn. Yeah. I'm sure TV tropes has like a specific name for it, but yeah, like she she wasn't very damned. Like I can't really think of a moment where she was really in. Yeah, like Harold Love Struck Spy. Yeah, yeah, that that would be uh, the best way to describe it. She just wa- she just wanted a, a a number of her own. She wanted to sing, but yeah, like she was just she was she's an element of that story where it's like, okay, we already know where this is going. Like we already know what's gonna happen because we've seen that type of archetype done, you know, many times before. Um, yeah, like like like. I really feel that this movie was heavily carried on by one absolutely incredible voice performances. Like, um, I believe it's Christopher Plummer. Yeah, yeah. Christopher Plummer as the Duke turned him from a, like, meh, you know, kind of like typical villain into, oh my god, this owl is amazing. I hope he wins. Like, <laughs> I just, just. Just the way he delivers the voice lines, he does the sing like, and so like he did an incredible job. Uh, Phil Harris, who I found out uh, this was his last movie, he was the dog. Oh yeah, he was Patu. Yeah, and the narrator. Yeah, yeah. He um, he was also Little John in Robin Hood, another one of my favorite childhood movies. He was O'Malley in the Aristocats. Yeah, he was Baloo the Bear in Jungle Book. Um, like a legend in, in, in that case, and he did a great job. 
also his character in the movie was also really good. Like another one where like I thought like initially with the introduction, I thought the dog would just be like the old, you know, just the old dog. And it's like, no, this dude has fight in him. And that was really cool. Got bite in him. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's also interesting because um, a lot of these voice actors show up in Don Blue's previous movies as well. So mm-hmm. uh, the guy who plays uh, Hunch, I, ca- I can't remember which, which animal that is, uh, he was also in All Dogs Go to Heaven. That Hunch was... is the owl that is constantly trying uh, to rhyme with Abomination, or what, the very annoying character that you hate. He was also, uh, so I haven't seen All Dogs Go to Heaven, but it just says he was the killer in All Dogs Go to Heaven, uh, Don Bluth's uh, previous movie. And he was Lort in A Troll in Central Park, which is, I believe, another movie on our list. I mean, yeah, both of those are. Yeah, we're gonna end up watching a lot of a lot of Don Bluth movies. Um, yeah. So there's just uh, and then like uh, Eddie uh, Deason, who um, I can't remember what character he plays in Dexter's Laboratory. Man, dark. Yeah. Um. Ah ha ha! Ah ha 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 ha! Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is Dexter's rival, if I remember correctly. Yes. Um, he also... He was in Disney's Recess as I can't remember what character. Um, he, he has a bunch of, like, one or two yeah. episode roles in a bunch of classic Disney yeah. shows. Yeah, I was looking at his and list and he has... animated shows. He has a lot of just random... Um, yeah, a couple episode, episode stuff. But his voice was very distinctive. Like, as soon as that character spoke, I was like... Holy crap, I recognize that. The voices are all very distinctive. Um, <laughs> the, the Like, Hunch, Goldie, and Edmund, something about those voices drive me up the wall. And I just can't handle, like, uh, it's difficult to watch this movie sometimes. Well, like, when Goldie spoke, you're like, I, I, I want to punch something. <laughs> leave you sense like i don't think i had it with hunch when i was younger but definitely with edmund and goldie yeah they're just their voices are not at a good frequency and until he retreats into his mind palace edmund is such a whiny little like like i hate (laughs) edmund yeah he he definitely wasn't great for a chunk of the story (laughs) his mind palace (laughs) when he runs into his own iris yeah, I think that was John that noted the mind palace. No, that, that was that was me. Yeah, oh, okay. It. Yeah, he served no purpose other than to point them towards the city initially, which didn't help anyways because they just ended up there from the water flow. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to be the sacrifice at the end that got the sun god to realize his worth and yes, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he was. I, I ba- thought he was all right. He was basically like he served a very similar role to whoever from warriors of virtue i found the kid i found the kid from warriors of virtue to be way more annoying (laughs) i could agree with that like at least like i found like edmund he just for whatever reason he wasn't as grating like even though he didn't have a huge part of the plot like i thought he was fine like he wasn't like great i wouldn't call him like the greatest protagonist ever but he was just like he was there he was fine uh he was a furry uh, <laughs> yeah, this movie woke up a lot of a lot of people uh, who didn't know they were furries yet. I'm very sure. 
God. Um, I also like how we all learned how to speak Italian. That was good too. Hey, sometimes you start the movie and it's in Italian, and then you gotta find one in English. Okay, I we should have waited for the songs and seen what that was what that was like. Oh, that would have been good. I mean, we can still watch it. You know, when the movie first started playing in Italian, I didn't catch the language, so I thought it was like some Gregorian chant or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, do owls like rain? They like not sun. Mm. I don't, I don't think know. so. Well, they like not light, apparently. In real life, I don't think so. In animated, I don't know. Yeah, no, I don't admit, like... I don't imagine rain is helpful for them. It would not... It would very much hinder their ability to hunt. Yeah. This 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 movie was fun. Like like it, it was it was fun. Like it was it was a nice little watch. I wouldn't call it like my favorite animated movie ever. Um so I liked all the jokes we could make throughout this movie. Like when when his dad enters through the door, <laughs> I was like, is this a slasher movie? Am I beginning cuz like like it it really felt like a scene of like poof, door opens up dude walks in with big knife and starts murdering everybody because like the way they did the lighting and the shadows because like holy crap like that's that's um that's interesting uh and then of course yeah as soon as like the kid had the book i was like oh great i'm never gonna, I'm never gonna escape fantasy worlds uh with uh, kids who go into fantasy worlds i bet you i bet you really hoped at the start of this one like oh it just it's just an animated it's just a fantasy world there's no kid gonna get trades fuck oh this is so kid yeah. and his flood yeah, cause, so because he does like the song i was like okay you know what like like you know pretty pretty solid song and then just like no no why, <laughs> why? Actually, the the animate like the transition from real world to animated was actually very good yeah watching um animation just crawl up everything yeah, yeah so i so i know we talked about um like the ending was pretty bad but i thought when uh the duke first shows up that seemed pretty all right. Yeah. Like the way the the uh, animated world interacted with the real world. Probably partially because of how much darker it was. And also the way they they split the scene. Yeah, and there wasn't a moving character in it. So. Yeah, it was it was very like it very much did seem like the animated world was like bursting into his room. It was cool. Yeah, no, it was so that was really good. Uh, kid has bad speech impediment. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty intense. It's why we thought he said, uh, uh, "I'm a furry." <laughs> um. So, like, the kid uh, leaves them with the magic weapon of 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 this franchise, which is the flashlight, because it scares away owls. Why do they leave it on the whole time? Because they're bad at resource management. They would not like. <laughs> That is the group you end up with when you're in a zombie apocalypse. <laughs> and 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 the good party goes, like, the party of useful people go to find the dude. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. They're like the C team. Yeah. They're, the A team yeah. went to go to the city. They are not, like, pe- like peepers should have been in charge of resource management. But peepers oh, was also very much necessary for them to succeed, so... I don't know why the magpie was part of the A team. Mm. He was a dick and a bitch. He's <laughs> he's also like he struck me as the type of person who really wants you to know that he's straight, but is broadcasting very gay. <laughs> <laughs> 
he's constantly talking about chicks, but never actually like you ever yeah. see him with a girl. Yeah. Well, what was that other line? Uh, what was it? The the city. What was it? the lights? The chicks, the food, or something like that was mm-hmm. what he said. That was that was a funny line. I kind of. Well, I mean, be- besides peepers, the only female character animated characters are are hens. Mm. Oh, and Goldie. She's a hen. She's a pheasant. She's Fine. a golden pheasant. Her, I guess that's a hen. Her, her name is yeah. Her name is Goldie Pheasant. She might um, not be a pheasant. Man, so watching this movie, so like kind of kind of speaking about like animation quality. This movie is beautifully animated. Yes. Like watching yeah. this, it's like it's that era of animation, like absolutely beautiful. And Don Bluth obviously has his style, so having watched like Land Before Time, um, like really brought all those memories back to me and just the absolute like beauty and smoothness and just absolutely amazing. Like the backgrounds were really cool, um, the way everybody was animated, like I didn't really notice anything that felt off like it felt like every character felt so well done um the the finale where or, or i guess the yes. epilogue even where he goes into their music video um that looked awful yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah and that, that's the one section where i was like and i think a big thing with that is um when you have an animated character in the real world, it looks nice. When you have a real world person in an animated world, it looks, looks a bit worse. Real bad, yeah, yeah. But um, especially like he looked like he was just on a green screen, like it was very obvious. Yeah, well, yeah, you could, yeah, you that could was see really... it around him. Yeah, yeah, it, it was real. Yeah, that was the only section, and yeah, like I don't even blame the animators for that because I really feel like at that point there wasn't really a good way to do it. Yeah. Um. So I kind of, I, I, I give the movie a pass because that section didn't have any plot importance and it was just kind of like, uh, here's, here's the ending of the ending. Well, just have him in there in his cat, in his fursona. <laughs> in his first fursona. Yes. First of three. He what was, what he, else? He was also a penguin and a lobster. Oh, I forgot about the penguin. I fucking love that gag. Like, come get your penguin suits. <laughs> <laughs> and you think it's going to be t- tuxedos, but it's just literal penguin suits. You were you were really into the animal, how much they were getting into the animal jokes in this one. Yeah, this my, that was my favorite part of this movie, just the animal jokes. Yeah, and like a lot of the background art was really good. So like, uh, one that stuck out to me was the owl's lair. Uh, like the org- Like the whole organ section was just mm-hmm. incredible to look at. Yeah. Uh, and see brought to life where I was like, steampunk owls, this is incredible. Like, th- th- just, oh, so good. Um, <laughs> so, this flood is biblical? Yeah, he's on the second store, uh, second floor of his house, and the fucking water <laughs> crashes through the window. That that was yeah. another one of the things we kept saying, was he, because Edmund keeps asking uh, if anyone's seen his parents. <laughs> We're just like they're dead, kid. Like the the ground, like there's 18 feet of water. Your parents are dead. Just deal with it. <laughs> yeah, super dead. <laughs> like, he like, did not ask about his brothers, just his parents. They're as dead as that cow they were trying to hang at the start of this movie. <laughs> yeah, it's like a cow stuck in a ditch, and he's like wrapping a rope around its neck and yelling at his wife. 
Huh. Uh, apparently, Patu's narration was added after test screenings because the audience found some scenes confusing. I can absolutely see that. Yeah. Yeah, I was wondering why the dog was narrating. Like, his part didn't seem to warrant he'd be the narrator. His voice warrants him to be the narrator. Yeah. Yeah, his, yeah. His, his voice is incredible. The Duke's breath power emitting glowing geometrical and space-themed shapes was to avoid... It being a single glowing color, which children may have found too frightening. <laughs> huh. All right. It's a weird this, one. Yeah, this movie has a weird sense of, like, what children will find frightening and what they won't. Also, there was a <laughs> cutscene of, of the Duke uh, cooking a, a live baby skunk into a pie. Yeah, oh, we see the we see part of that where he has, um, what's that fucking pizza, the wood, flat wooden pizza thing that pizza people make? A pizza peel. Yeah, that's it. He put a pie on that, and he put it in the oven, and then his ne- nephew arrived. There's a baby skunk in that pie. Yep. There is, yeah. So I like when they're all in the uh, trunk, and it closes, and the water just comes in. And then we were like, <laughs> they drown. <laughs> Credits roll. <laughs> End movie. <laughs> there were a couple uh, of those moments. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know just, like, it's... Um, this movie, like, thinking about it, it's hard for me to really find things to criticize it on other than, like, it being predictable. It's it's a good movie, but it's not a great movie. It, it doesn't rise, like, I find it doesn't rise above its subject matter. Like, it doesn't, um, uh, I'm trying to think of the actual concept, but, like, it is what it is. Like it's a, it's like a, it's a, it's a genre movie. It is what it is, but it doesn't rise above what it is. Like it's not more. It doesn't elevate film in any particular way. It doesn't do anything particularly special, other than just be a be... pretty simple story. Yeah. Yeah. With some like nice jokes and okay songs and stuff. There, there are other Don Bluth movies that like will will blow your damn mind. Um, I don't think this is this is not one of them. Although it it's cute in places, I like it a lot in places. Yeah, yeah, like it it is what it is, but it's nothing more. Um, like there's so many good moments. I really like how in animated animal world everything is of like weirdly proportioned sizes. Like yeah. everything is the right size for some things and very much not for a lot of other things. Um. The king progressing through Elvis's career at frightening pace. I like that, yeah. Well, he just, like, was going through costumes very quickly. I don't know how long he was in the city, but he went from, like, 50s Elvis to 70s Elvis very, very fast. That's Elvis Costello for you. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so... (laughs) (laughs) That, I want to see that version of this movie. Uh, so... uh, (laughs) It would be fun to take the uh, car chase scene... And put the uh, Mad Max Fury Road uh, trailer music um, <laughs> over over it. Uh, the uh, Brothers in Arms uh, song, it's called. Mad um, Max Fury Road. Yeah. <laughs> That's so good. Because all I could think of, like, I was like, this this just looks like a scaled down part of Fury Fury Road. What, what the hell, guys? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then I guess, like, the, because uh, the nephew probably of the owls shows up the most trying to attack them, 
Uh, this goes back to the not understanding what kids are afraid of. He has a giant fucking knife uh, that he wants to go after people with and is constantly trying to murder them. It's a Swiss Army knife. I'm pretty sure it's a switchblade, isn't it? No, it's, it's a Swiss no, Army knife. Is it? Okay, I must have. Yeah. It's a Swiss Army a lot of things. Yeah, <laughs> Often they, they use it for... It, there's an umbrella in there. There's also a fly swatter. Or apparently an owl swatter. Maybe that's his magic power. Maybe the Duke just made him that for, like, his birthday. Mm, bad move, Duke. <laughs> I like, too, you're like, I really wanted to know what Snipes, or I really wanted Snipes to finish his thought there and just have him go on a misogynistic rant. Oh, and Snipes is like, oh, that's women for you. It's like, go on, Snipes, please. <laughs> Expand. Yeah, f- finish your thought. I like in the trailer, like, he's cutting a hole. And then after he cuts the hole open, he opens the hatch. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> that was so weird to me. Like, I was like, what? And he takes punishment. Like, he should have been dead, like, 20 times yeah. over the stuff that uh-huh. happens to him. It's the residual magic torture that the Duke puts him through. Like, he, cha- he like, uh, body horrors him many times. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, their relationship's messed up. Yeah, um... The manager, uh, he's he's like another one of those characters, similar to Goldie, where like as soon as he shows up, it's like, oh, okay, I know what you're doing this entire story. Yeah, he was he was uh, based on Elvis's actual manager, so yeah, yeah, which was like that that was that was a cool piece of trivia, but like even just the way they introduce him and like their design for him. It's very obvious, like, what his role in the story is, and that's it and nothing more. And, like, he does his... He plays his role in the story adequately. Um, But that kind of goes back to, again, the issue with the movie is that it just is. It's, It's nothing... It's nothing beyond what it is. Like, it's just like, okay, here's the manager character. He smokes a cigar. He plays golf. He, like plots to keep his star he Mm -hmm. uses his power and position he's greedy he hangs out the window of of helicopters yeah (laughs) that was really um why were those people were those people were they waiting for his signal to make that heart for chanticleer to see or do they just do that well no when you uh they you just naturally gravitate to a heart shape when you're a fan of chanticleer (laughs) <laughs> and when you gather in numbers for warmth it can be seen from space yeah you know i was confused the ma- so the managers i don't know what the manager was gonna do because chanticleer finds out that his friends want him back and the manager says no you're gonna finish this movie and chanticleer says no and the manager too bad you're doing it and then chanticleer leaves like i don't know what his plan was to keep chanticleer there he did nothing yeah. I mean, he doesn't have any anything on him, so all he can do is hope that Chanticleer doesn't realize that. Yeah, that well, was he's just very got, he's, he's got his frog bouncers. <laughs> also, a good pun. Yeah, yes. very good. Yeah, oh, that was good. Also, their first their first and only musical number was was very entertaining. <laughs> yeah, why were they doing that the whole time? I don't know. Um, also, like not how helicopters work. <laughs> Which part? Oh. Uh, when they turn the helicopter upside down and mow through the house. 
<laughs> yeah, no, that's fine. Not how helicopters work. And then part when, two. when they roll the helicopter, it's just like scoop them up, and it has doors on both sides. Better open, yeah. Um, or uh, when they hit some switches and it causes the helicopter to disintegrate. <laughs> it just like starts losing parts. <laughs> oh. Why do we have that button? That finale really upped the stakes. Yeah. Uh, that finale was amazing simply because he goes Super Saiyan. Like, that that sold the finale for me. Like, I was like, yes. Now to go even further beyond. <laughs> like... <laughs> Why like, is only the farm flooding? Uh, no, they, they mentioned that the rains are expanding. But, like... Why just the farm and the surrounding town? Because they're in a valley? I don't know. There's a giant, there's a danger aqueduct pipe that leads straight into the city, (laughs) and yet the city has no water issues. It's an adequate pipe. (laughs) (laughs) Um... I, th- I think, like, the people who made this movie, their answer would be, like, this all takes place in the mind of a child whose home is being flooded. Or, or they might just say, it doesn't matter, that's not the point of the story. Yeah, but it, which are both fucking yeah. cop-outs. Yeah. I mean, like, it... I remember... <laughs> uh, I think we talked about this a bit, like, in the Back to the Future episode, and uh, Red Letter Media, who I watched, like, a lot of... They've also talked about this as well, where it's, like, sometimes when there's, even if it's, like, plot hole stuff, if it's not the point of the story, it gets to a point of, like, who the fuck cares, let's just watch the movie. Yeah, for sure. So, so like, there's a scene in Looper, which they often use as an example, where a Looper has, like, a time travel element to it. And two characters sit down, and they go, we could sit here all day talking about how time travel works, or we could, you know, move on. Basically saying to the audience, like, the time travel isn't the point of the story. Right. Uh, the point of the story is this other thematic stuff that we're going over. And so, like, ever since, like, I've kind of heard those arguments, I've been on, like, unless it's really, really bad, I tend to just go, like, yeah, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not gonna... The point of the story isn't the flooding. The point of the story is getting uh, Chanticleer back, fixing the mistake that the animals made, um, the kid becoming more courageous, as with all the stories of this type. Um, that so- this one, like, happened very quickly, and was, but afterwards, Edmund was like on it for the rest of the story. Yeah, I mean, which I appreciated. I mean, the point of the story is to regret being a dick to your friend when it affects you personally. <laughs> that is the yeah. point of the story. Yeah. Yeah, his friends turned on him real quick. Yeah, yeah it's like... and only tried to come get him when they were going to die. Yep. <laughs> it's very true. It's just like, like, makes a mistake once. Oh, wow. Look at you, fucking poser. And doesn't even make a mistake. He, a dude was hired to beat his ass, and he defended himself. Yeah. yeah, he defended himself and the farm. Like The guy had knives tied to his feet. Huh, that's a that's like a, a cockfighting reference. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I thought during that scene it was reminiscent of a cockfight. I missed the knives, but yeah, that's really just that's a cockfight. That's yeah. a thing that they do in cockfights. That's that's a weird thing to put in a kids movie, but all right, I'm into it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this movie is weird. If like on one hand they go 
let's like not include these like violent elements and on the other hand let's make a reference to cockfighting like it's all good i mean there was two cocks fighting so what are you gonna do put knives on one of their feet <laughs> yeah put knives on their feet um like... pigs don't eat mud oh <laughs> yeah like i think they were just yeah they were just eating mud when we see the pigs they're just like gross pigs eating mud and also, covered in mud. Also, the only one pig survived. Yeah, a lot oh, of the yeah. farm animals didn't wow. make it during that. Like, there was a horse, mule, and cow. We do not see them. Yeah, this they did. This this movie's pretty liberal. With like, there's a squirrel that yeah, is the banjo is squirrel. Yeah, <laughs> the classic farm animal, and then like the magpie that seems to be a woodpecker <laughs> who suffers from claustrophobia. Oh, he suffers from like whatever it is to be most annoying. He's yeah. he's like <laughs> that that dude that shows up to play D anD D and wants to be the bard, but is just an asshole. He's like, like yeah. I'll be the party face, but what I mean is I'll hog all the attention and be a dick. <laughs> he yeah. suffers from other people. I, I, I slap the ki- I slap the king. <laughs> yeah, I slap the king with my dick. Aren't I clever? Aren't I funny? Like. Um, yeah, or he's, like, the teammate who, like, like, I've seen this in movies and shows before where they're, like, they, they're self-sabotaging, essentially, like, like, they're more dangerous as your friend than as your enemy, mm-hmm. and, and it's, oh, it's such an annoying trope, ugh. Also, he liked lasagna. Oh. <laughs> thus making him a fully fleshed-out character. <laughs> <laughs> he likes chicks, lights, the city, lasagna. And not uh, closed spaces. Yes. I, I'd like to point out that he we did see him enjoying food and lights, but he had no opinion about the chicks in the city. <laughs> just just want to point that out. True. And the city sequence was a bit weird because you see them talk to city people, which is a few headshots of various animals, like a, a shoe-shining pigeon. But there's this weird scene where it's human-sized animal people. Yep. Like a human-sized dog in a dress and stuff. But all the animals we've seen are the size of what the animal typically is. Except the owls, which are huge. Well, but I mean, even, like, the car, like... I'd have to go back and check the proportions again, but, like... Like, the farm animals are of similar size to... Uh, Chantidou, or how do you pronounce it again? Chanticleer. And and he is one of the farm animals, but like the mouse is tiny. Um, I I think the car was built for the fox. I think all the stuff there is built for the fox guy. Yeah, he's big, but also he likes big things. Mm, Compensating. (laughs) Um, that like Zeppelin, or no, the helicopter? Was it a helicopter? It was a Chinook. Okay, yeah, yeah, Chinook. Uh, yeah, With a golf course, yeah, transformation, uh, transportation helicopter, um, yeah, had like a whole golf like that was uh, an impressive inside. I <laughs> uh, gotta say, like luxury, like a golf course large enough to need a a golf cart. Yeah, uh, the musical numbers were pretty solid overall. Like I can't think of one that I disliked. Yeah, I mean, some of them are really short. Yeah, it's about, like there. This is why I say it's like barely a musical. Like all the music happens in the fictions, except for the owls who sing what they do. So yeah, I guess they're in a musical, like John said. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Where it's it's barely a musical. It's like musical light, uh, which is fine. Like I'm fine with that. And like most most of the music, I thought was like yeah, like pretty pretty good, or at like worst, just like kind of forgettable. 
the the owl like villain numbers were definitely the best though. Also the frogs. Oh yeah, yeah, the frogs were really good. Well. <laughs> the shortest ones. Also the villain ones. Um Does his mom like ever let him leave his bed? No. <laughs> he has child disease. He he has that thing that the Willy Wonka grandparents have. <laughs> <laughs> yes, child disease. Uh not en- not enough golden ticket in the diet. Adult onset child disease. <laughs> um, oh man! If I mean, we bear like it'd be a stretch to call anyone in this movie a business dad. It's very, it's very dis- disconcerning. Yeah, but we get. We also don't really have bullies. Like, mm. like there's yeah, the no, owls, no murder but bullies. like not. Like the owls are a lot of murder, not that much bully. Yeah, they're not his peers. Yeah, and yeah, like we like we have a dad and a mom, and they farm. But they don't business. Farm farm is a type of. I guess it's it's not really a type of business. But I mean, can we have a child going into a fantasy world without murder bullies and business d- parents? Business like, dads. I didn't think that was. Yeah, business dads. I didn't even think that was possible. Murder bully flood. <laughs> yeah, the flood was bullying the earth. Nice, nice, nice farm, nerd. <laughs> Be real shame if we just came in and wiped it out. Oh, look at this. Oh, what's this? Is this your mom? What if I drowned her? <laughs> just gonna destroy everything now. <laughs> <laughs> I no. keep forgetting he had brothers. Yeah, yeah we oh, see yeah. them briefly. It's kind. I mean, it's kind of the um, Wizard of Oz thing of like Dorothy having siblings. Does Dorothy have siblings? I think she has at least one. Yeah. No. No, she has uncles. Maybe. I. I don't. <laughs> I'm not an authority enough to speak on it. You, you might have just blown my mind. I gotta go watch Wizard of Oz now. I was gonna say, if you really want, like, a kid who's actually stuck in bed, sometime we should watch uh, Brothers Lionheart. Yeah, that's the type of narrative that really gets me going. <laughs> I'm very it's, excited it... for sick children. Ooh, boy. No, Secret very... Garden? Oh, man, that's that's exciting. I thought the movie was paced pretty well. Like, it, it did what it had to do without being over long like i like i thought it was a fine length like any longer and i feel like it would overstay its welcome any shorter and it'd be like cutting not, essential not scenes. a movie yeah like 57 minutes is a crazy short length for a movie yeah especially in today's movie world of here's three hours mm-hmm. i not that i love here's three hours either but uh I, oh gosh, so much of what I want to say has to do with other Don Bluth movies that we are going to watch. So I feel <laughs> like I have to save it, but like, oh man. We, are so, we have so many, like Anis, like Thumbelina is on the list. Guys, this is going to be great. Uh, like, you, you mentioned this a little bit earlier, but like, or talked about this a little bit earlier, but like, how does this movie compare to his other movies? This would be very low on my list of his other movies. Yeah, like I would put like like I I'm trying to think of how many 
I'd have to check how many Don Bluth movies I've actually watched unintentionally, but uh, I like I, Land I, Before Time. You've seen Anastasia, I think you said. I've seen huge parts of it. Okay, but like that's up there. Yeah, like that that ballroom scene alone. When I when I was a kid, I didn't really get Anastasia. Mm. Like I always thought, like the green like monsters were neat and stuff. Uh, and then it's like, oh, she dances in a ballroom and there's stuff happening. And then like now that I've studied like Russian history in detail, I go like, what the fuck? <laughs> um, <laughs> whoa! <laughs> I definitely only saw it once at my babysitter's when I was younger. Yeah, like, also who, like, Rasputin is and, like, other stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, but, like, yeah, like, Land Before Time I would put above this movie for sure. Have Have you played Dragon's Lair? No. It's, for, it's pretty good. That's completely untrue. What, Dragon's Lair? Yeah. I guess I didn't play, like, I played the 90s one. You don't have to lie just because you like Don Bluth. The animation is cool. It's it's like the that first um, 2D drawing video game, isn't it? Uh, I believe it would have been, yeah. And it's horrible to play. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll have to we'll have to watch more uh, more of the uh, Don Bluth movies, and then uh, do maybe like a more overall look at everything that he's done. Um, I kind of want to know how like this stacks up for for you, Tepper, against the other movies that you've watched as this as part of this. Um, number one. Hmm. Drum roll, please. <laughs> no, no, please, God, don't. <laughs> no, please do, please do, please don't, please do, please do. It can be added words. Don't be cowards. <laughs> Give me the drum roll. Um, so I'd probably say Back to the Future. That seems correct. Yeah. 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 I, I, I was really debating between Back to the Future or Jumanji as my number one, but Back to the Future, yeah. Like, I, I just like the character interactions a fair bit more. And then I put my number two as Jumanji. My number three three i would put the karate kid yep my number yep this is a sensical list my number four now it gets interesting i'd put rockadoodle my number five i'd put uh chitty chitty bang bang nice oh wow Um, i'm actually surprised it was a competent movie. Like I can't, I can't <laughs> deny it was a competent movie, and it, it definitely had its moments. Um, so I'm at number five now. So it's just so six, seven. So never yeah, ending story and who, warriors of virtue. Warriors of virtue. Uh, yeah, never so ending. Basically, like who do you want? Like you know that <sighs> that one is my favorite childhood movie, and the other is Cotter's favorite childhood movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> Komodo was so good. It's a tough one. I'm gonna have to go with Warriors of Virtue simply because uh, Komodo was so memorable. 
Yeah. Like, he was, he was so much... Whereas, like, Never Ending Story was a movie, but I wouldn't say it was, like, a memorable movie. Like, even though Warriors of Virtue is bad. Like, Warriors of Virtue is a trash movie. But it's it's such beautiful trash. It's, um... Now, if there was a Komodo sequel, that would probably be top of everyone's list. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, so, uh, yeah, I put Warriors of Virtue in my number, my number six slot, only, with the asterisk of only because of Komodo. Um. I don't think Connor would be angry about that statement. Yeah, uh, yeah, just because he, he kept me in that movie. Like, look, when he rolls up in the chair, when he just, like, oh, man, it's so good. Um, and then, yeah, never, never ending story, uh, last not because it's a bad movie like we've discussed it a lot where like it's not it's not a bad movie it just kind of is like mm-hmm. it's a very mediocre movie um especially in the space that like like the type of story that it is of murder bullies gang like like yeah murder bullies fantasy world like that stuff you know we we've we've seen better movies uh that do that exact same concept way better um so yeah, that's my that's my list so far. Interesting. Uh, if you were gonna rank villains, I assume Komodo's at the top of the list. Yeah. Okay. So villains. Um, we got Komodo. We got yeah. Biff Tannen. We got the Cobra Kai. Um, what else do we got going on? Uh, the, uh, the Archduke of Owls. Uh, I guess we we count um the wolf. From Neverending Story is the villain? Yeah, or the Mork? Yeah. Uh, Van Pelt. Oh, how could I forget? (laughs) Uh, This list is actually way harder than the last list. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Nice. Because... Cooper Cullen. Best murder bullies. Get him a body bag! Yeah! (laughs) (laughs) And, like, sweep the leg. Um... I would say okay, so I think I'll start from the bottom and go up for this one. Bold strategy. Uh, Bulgaria is it would probably be my worst ones, not necessarily because they were bad villains, but simply because they weren't memorable, especially compared to the rest of the list. Um, what if it's just the child catcher? Mm, I feel like child catcher is a much more compelling vil- villain. He is. Okay. Um, okay. So, child catcher. Oh, oh man, this list is actually so hard. <laughs> oh fuck. Oh, this is hard. Uh, child catcher is so good. Cause they, cause they were all good. Like, like actually though, like, um, they were all like they all had really good moments of villainy. I feel like. Gamork is the worst. Like he just doesn't probably get to live up to any of what he should. Yeah, yeah. Like that's that's where I was like tempted to say like he's the worst. Um, and I, I agree with that assessment for sure. So I think I'll put because like he has a cool design, but they don't do anything with him, and that was my main complaint about him in the podcast we did. Yeah, yeah. This is a tough list. Uh, yeah. So like, like even as even as much as I'm probably gonna put him last. That's kind of like again with like an asterisk of like he still he looks cool, but they never capitalize on who he is. Kind of yeah. Don't worry, I'm sure we can get to worse villains in later movies. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I'm sure we'll find worse ones. Um, 
I guess I'll put the child catcher at six. All right. Bold, but I can see it. It's a it's a now, tough list we have so far. Now it gets real tough. Yeah, see. Uh... If the child catcher was in a little bit more of the movie, I'd probably put him above Van Pelt. Yeah. Um... Yeah, because that, that's my thing with the child catcher. Like, was he was fun? Like, he was decent villain, but he wasn't really in enough of it. Um, I guess we'll put Van Pelt next. Yeah, I'm seeing that too. Because like like Van Pelt was good, but he suffers from the same issue that the child catcher suffers from, where he I he wasn't in enough of the movie. Mm. And you don't really explore who he is enough. No, he, he's very much just a, like, threat of growing yeah, into your father. Yeah, yeah he's, he's a force of nature. Like, he, he shows up, he does stuff. Kind, then... kind of similar to Gamork, but, he, but it's executed much better. Yes, because he's an active threat. Because that was the problem with Gamork was, and I complained about that a lot in the first he podcast. Sh- he was, shows up in the last 20 minutes. Yeah, and gives, doesn't even realize gives, he's supposed to be killing the the person he's talking to. He jumps at him once. Well, he does after he realizes who he is. Oh no, 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 no! Yeah, I'm saying right, earlier in right. the movie. But but there's no like interaction. Then at the end, he gives like a monologue, jumps, dies, and it was just the weakest. Like, what a waste of a such a cool design. Um, who's your number three? Number four. Yeah, I'm on four. Um, yep. God, these this is hard. Um, <laughs> I think I'll go with um, go with Biff on this one simply because Biff is so standard, like bully, but without being as fun as the other three. Uh, like the Cobra Kai were like kind of a group, and. We're kind of like actually way more murderous than him. Like like Biff tried to run Marty into a car, but like the Cobra Kai actively beat up the kid and like celebrated trying to hurt him very badly. Yeah. Um, to the point of like being unsportsmanlike. Um, so yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna put Biff at four. Uh, but it was a close one with probably whoever I'm going to put in three. Yeah, so our top three are Cobra Kai, the Duke of Owls, and Komodo. Um, I just want this to be the real world. Like, I want all these people living in a house, having <laughs> to deal with each other and do challenges. Uh, big, big Brother Villain Edition. Oh, um, yeah. The real world, never end the story. <laughs> isn't it though a group of I, a group of owls or a group of jerk uh um californians yeah see I'm, I'm, i think i'm gonna go with cobra kai on this one. Oh wow uh, really see like the archduke he's got I, so much going for him i really liked christopher Plummer's performance as the archduke that's he's, fair he's almost komodo the way he delivered like like if I kill my nephew, is it murder or is it charity? Like, just, mm, mm, that's good. I like that. That's, that's so good. 
And he just has, like, a bunch of, like, or, like, when he's on the phone, I can't remember exactly what he says, but it's like, oh, when their batteries uh, uh, fade, we're going to have some very good dinner. You, you know, like, you better hurry up if, like, like just the way he threatens and, like, there's a whole bunch of them that just popped up where I'm like, oh, like, that's, that's so good. Okay, so number two, Duke of Owls number one with a bullet. Hey, now, technically... We didn't put owls at second. Yeah, we haven't put them there yet. Oh, okay. Um, I think I'm going to put the Archduke at second. Yeah, that makes sense. Is he the Archduke? I think I said that, but I think he's just the Duke of Owls. Oh, okay. Either way. Yeah, maybe he's just the Duke. So, the, the, Ar- the Duke was like a solid villain in a solid movie. Komodo was the shining light <laughs> in an otherwise absolutely forgettable bad action movie. <laughs> he single-handedly saved our watch from us basically just shitting all over that movie. <laughs> um so I got to give him bonus points for that. Like I like I actually do. Yeah, yeah, like, like if that movie was, like, slightly more competent, I probably would, like, it would be a bit more, like, equal between the two, but, yeah, like, Komodo carries that movie. Definitely. So I got I got to respect that and put him at number one. Okay. Um, do you, does anyone remember what the names of the children from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang are? Are we rating children? No, no. Are we rating main characters? Mm, nope. Because that, I think, would be very boring. <laughs> oh, no. I, I know the girl's Jemima, because I kept Jem- remembering that that's uh, maple syrup. Okay, so Jemima and Chitty Chitty Boy Boy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Tepper, it's Hunger Games. <laughs> we got we, we got seven kids, one a group of two kids. We got Ryan. We got Bastion. We got um, Edmund from this movie. We got Kid Robin Williams. We got Ralph Macchio, uh, Marty McFly, and Jemima and Chitty Chitty Boy Boy. <laughs> who's, okay. who's coming out of there and representing for their district? Um, okay, so uh, before we begin, is Ryan not disabled? Ooh, that's a strong question. Um, if there is a magical world element, I think they get their magical world powers. Daniel okay. Larusso, that's it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I think I just gave Marty McFly a time machine by my rules as written, <laughs> but I think that's fine. I mean, well, like he's not—he's not the only one with a supercar. Oh, f- Chidi gonna Good fuck point. him up. <laughs> <laughs> Although they're not old Dude. enough to drive, but also Chitty fl- drives itself. A death battle between Chitty and the... Well, I mean, you tell us who's coming out of it. Who goes uh, okay. down first? Who's coming out of this? Okay. Um... Like, man, Ryan really gets the short end of the stick by going to a magic world where he's allowed to walk. Yeah, and like... And he gets the power to help magic dudes do a magic thing. Well, he mostly gets the power to walk. Fair. And lose books. And like, well, like, Bastion has unlimited... Like, he just has the power of his imagination. I'm gonna say Ryan dies first. 
Oof. That seems completely fair. <laughs> but does he spur on anyone into victory by doing so? <laughs> no. He dies useless. <laughs> just like he was in the story. Who loses their power by killing him? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to say Edmund dies second. Yeah. Also correct. That's how both of them acted in the movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, then... Living up to our expectations. Um, I just got to say at this point, I think Ryan would beat the snot out of Bastion. But, like, Bastion, again, has the... He can do literally anything. Uh, I don't think he would, uh... though. He would, he would ride around on Falcor. Like, mm, fair. That would put him in the chitty yeah. chitty bang bang. Um, not not uh, not being part of this fight. fight. Yeah. Well, I have a question. Does Alan Parrish have his powers of twenty years in a jungle? <laughs> uh, are we are we including him in the battle? That would because be if we're including him in this battle. He's probably gonna win. If it's just, no, I think it's Judy and Peter. It'd be so yeah. great though if it was just all of these like ten year olds and then Robin Williams. <laughs> <laughs> twenty years in a jungle. Um. Also, a very hard to license video game where uh, a fighting video game where you play actors and you and you your powers are the characters they've played. <laughs> Ooh, okay, that's cool. So I'm just yeah, like die second because I was just thinking of like uh, Robin Williams just like summoning genie. Very hard to license video game. <laughs> I think I'll say Bastion dies third. I think that's fair. Yeah, like he's he doesn't have it in him to imagine people to death. Yeah, yeah, and I think like Judy and Peter are getting close to the end of their usefulness, but like Peter's a trap master and Judy's a sociopath. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. Is like is like they're resourceful. Whereas like Bastion, like over the course of his story, like he just learns that he should call his pet dragon in to do everything for him. Yeah, he he goes off to draw unicorns and like uh, Ralph Macchio kicks him to death or something. <laughs> Sweeps the leg. Um, His name is Daniel. Sorry, stick, Daniel. Stick to the character name. <laughs> We're just gonna keep calling him Ralph Macho now. To be fair, Ralph Macho is a way better name for the main character of a fighting movie. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, easily. Um. Okay, this is where it gets harder. Um. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna say. Uh, Jemima and Jeremy die fourth. Yeah, there's only so much change can can do. Yeah, they're very dumb and, kids. And like, this is where they're starting to get up against some pretty damn like heavy competition. Because like, yeah, they're like, if they were older, I'd give them a way bigger chance. But they're they're like young. Uh, so yeah, I'm saying they die fourth. Um. Oh, now th- now this is where it gets hard, right? Because like. Everyone else, like, now we're down to competent people. Yeah, yeah, because, like, the kids are, yeah, like, a sociopath and a trap master. We've got a dude who does karate, and we've got, like, a resourceful kid with a a time-traveling car. Well, who has the ability to kill another child? (laughs) I I think Ralph Macchio, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, Daniel, Daniel. I I really mean to say Daniel. (laughs) Um, yeah, see, like, Ralph Macchio's got the killer edge in this one. Like, cause, like, like, he no hesitation just got into a fight. 
he he demonstrate i think more importantly he demonstrates the physical ability to cause harm yeah so that's where <sighs> like marty harms people by like uh getting them to chase him into bad situations <laughs> you just imagine like the kids try to trap him, start chasing him, and then they just run into open traffic and get hit by a truck. Well, I think in this scenario, he would lead them to the Karate Kid and have him kill them. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> They're just like chasing after him, turn the corner of Karate Kid, and Ralph Macchio's there. Just... Daniel. Daniel, that's it. Daniel. Yeah. <laughs> Like, of course, this isn't a winning strategy, but it does get rid of the competition. <laughs> you know what? Like, just for the image that that created in my mind, Jumanji kids die <laughs> fifth. That that brings us to a incredible showdown. <laughs> um, yeah, th- this is, okay, so... I feel like I gotta give this one to Dan, uh, Ralph Macchio. Ooh, you almost <laughs> said Daniel! <laughs> um simply because like yeah like like he has no problem just fighting people like whereas everybody else in the list generally like they're scrappy but in like a let's get out of this situation sense and don't actively confront people in physical altercations like like marty will go uh like like will did stuff to Biff where he's like, oh, like, shove off, dude, and then, like, run away and have, and then, like, lead Biff into, like, harm. So it really depends how, like, Marty plays the fight because, like, he could, for example, like, use uh, Ralph Macchio's, like, hothead status against him and then, like, basically have him defeat himself. Um... They're very or, similar. Yeah. Too like they're both like they're both have a problem of they will not back down when they should. Yeah. So you know what I might, I might even do is, um, they fall in love, earn the <laughs> crowd's favor, and are both uh, let out. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh my god. What a beautiful romance. What. <laughs> And so the final result? Um, Ryan dies first. Edmund dies second. Bastion dies third. Uh, Jemima and Jeremy die fourth. Judy and Peter die fifth. Marty and Daniel fall in love, earn the crowd's favor, and are both allowed to live. <laughs> I like that ending. Sounds <laughs> right. Yeah. So that, that's, that's what I'm going with for uh, our Heroes Hunger Games. All right. <laughs> yeah we stopped talking uh, about the movie a while ago i mean some to some degree yeah you never stop talking about rockadoodle i mean to an ex- like to an extent part of like with this discussion is we want to discuss rockadoodle in the context of don bluth's other works which i've only watched like i gotta have to check his full filmography but i've probably only watched like a couple of them so I think, like, once... I feel like Rockadoodle is going to come up a lot when we watch other Don Bluth films. Especially the other musicals. 
Yeah. Some of them funny. are musicals and some of them aren't, and I will not let anyone <laughs> tell you which ones are and which <laughs> ones aren't. You're you're a terrible person. <laughs> <laughs> may may all may all the movies you find be in Italian. <laughs> With that though, I think we'll uh rate the movie and then wrap this up. What do you think, Chris? Oh gosh. Um I'm going to give this uh, two remaining batteries out of the six that you need to stay alive. <laughs> Shauna? Um, I give this one live-action child out of <laughs> um, 30 animated characters. <laughs> <laughs> um, I give this movie one biblical flood out of three. <laughs> I'll give this movie five owl musical numbers out of everything. Oh. <laughs> I don't know if that's great or horrible. That's zero, I think. Mm. Like, five out of infinite is still zero. It's not infinite, it's just everything. <laughs> I've been your host, Ivan. I'm Chris. I'm Shauna. And I'm Tepper. And you can find us all on downloadablezebras.com. Uh, and a special thanks to 8-Bit Jazz for the use of their theme of our theme song. Uh, you can find them on YouTube or follow the link in the description. <laughs>